Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm looking around here, checking, making sure we're live everywhere. I think we are. I am so happy and excited today because I've got Brad Powell here, and we are going to talk to you, someone that's got awesome experience in producing, making videos, and someone that knows how to help someone becoming someone people know, like, and trust. Brad, thanks for being here today. Yeah, my pleasure. Lovely to be one one of the faces of business. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now you are one of the faces of business. Well, Brad, as we always start the show out, we like to talk about people's background so we can get to know you a bit better. And I was looking through your your history here, and it's it's really interesting because you started out in the Pacific Northwest, if I'm if I'm right, That's and right. at the Northwest Outward Bound School. Which let's just talk about that school a little bit <laughs> and your involvement in it because the school itself is really interesting. And then we'll we'll move on to into how you got into doing what you're doing today. Okay, so. Yeah, the Outward Bound School. Well, what was going on? I was living in the Seattle area, and I was teaching in a private school, actually in downtown Seattle. Okay. Uh, and that called the Northwest School. And I was teaching environmental science to middle school age students. And it was like trying to keep 30 corks in a, in a pool of water, under the water all the time. They kept sort of popping up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I I really felt like, oh, this is crazy. Like, we shouldn't be doing this topic and this subject in an indoor classroom. Yeah. And so I really wanted to do something outdoors. And as a result, I started my own outdoor school, which was uh, an environmental education program, but it was based on the water on Puget Sound. Wow. In we we actually built a replica, if you can get this, <laughs> we built a replica of the the launch that George Vancouver used when he was charting the Northwest Coast in 1792. And so this is like a 26-foot open rowing sailing vessel that was really old-fashioned and really beautiful, uh, nothing like it. And we would take young people out on the water in, in these little boats. And eventually, over a few years, I built a small fleet of these long boats. Uh, we had four of them. And I was running this outdoor program that was actually, it turned out, it started being based in the San Juan Islands. Yeah. And in the middle of that time, the Outerbound School, which was at that time the Pacific Crest Outerbound School, now the Northwest Outerbound School, uh, Pacific Crest came out of the mountains. They were only doing mountaineering courses, and their new yeah. CEO was saying, "Well, we need to expand." Could we do something on the water? 
and they found me and my program and they thought, oh, you could do, you could do this for us. And literally overnight, um, I got hired by them. We, we actually spent two seasons, me working for them as a contractor. But then after that, they said, okay, we want this. And they bought me out and installed nice. me as the full-time program director of this at Orbound School that I had literally brought to them. And so that's, that's how that happened. And interestingly, uh, during that time, because of my knowledge of the area, like I you know, talk about local knowledge, like I knew all those islands and inlets yes. really because we were practically, we were literally living on the water for mm -hmm. weeks at a time. And so out of the, one day out of the blue, um, the, this movie crew was filming the, one of the sequels to Free Willy, you know, the, the movie yeah. about the whales. And they needed a, they needed a, somebody who knew the area really well to take film crews around and be able to film certain areas that nobody else would know about that were like remote and beautiful and all that kind of thing. Wow. So I got hired <laughs> to work for this movie crew and uh, really fun, interesting, but I got my, like totally got turned on to, Oh my God, look, this is an amazing, fun, cool job. And, uh, and this was like, for me, it was the off season. Like it was, this didn't happen during the height of my time with Outward Bound, but I would get working with Outward Bound for 10 months of the year. And then for two months I could, do whatever I wanted. And it was during yeah. this, and, but this other thing just kind of landed in my lap. And so it really opened my eyes to what was possible. And the other thing that happened was a, a reality TV show, you know, it was called Real Life. They came over and they wanted to do a, a real life series on my program. And so I got hired by them. And again, I worked with them for the whole time that they were shooting and to, you know, working with their film crews, mm -hmm. making sure they were getting set up for the shop, giving them all the equipment that they needed, guiding them through the area, following one of the program boats that, that we had in our, our program. And so those two experiences really turned me on to, and I just whetted my appetite for wanting to do more with video. Yeah. <laughs> and so I left at Bound. It wasn't, it wasn't like, okay, I'm off to do this other thing that's all going to be video and do that. But I decided that the learning curve with with doing that work, I loved it, but it had gotten really flat and yeah. it was nonprofit and there was no real upside of like, okay, I've been doing this, I've done it, uh, I've built this thing, it's firmly in the hands of our bound, it can stay there, they're gonna take it and I can go off and do something else. So I went off and what I started doing was uh, I started a second business, which was a music business. And this is how I got into the hands of National Geographic, which I didn't, this again, was a total surprise. Yeah. Um, I was, the business was that I was following world music artists from all over the planet. A lot of whom were really famous and really popular from where they were from, but were really unknown here in North America. And so I was licensing their music and licensing and sometimes producing video of live concert uh, performance and relicensing that material to media companies here in North America who wanted to use it in their programming. So I had a couple dozen partners 
uh, both radio and television that were looking for this kind of material. Okay. And what I learned really early was that some of these, most actually, most of the musicians had no video. And yet there was a demand for world music video. And so, you know, I was going, okay, well, I literally, you know, like went out and bought a camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would show up at these places and, you know, like at a conference or a music industry, you know, trade show kind of thing where these artists would be coming and gathering in some part of Europe or maybe in Brazil. And they'd be there for a week doing concerts and showcases and interviews mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And with my backstage pass, I could get up on stage and shoot stuff. I could meet the artists, you know, after the show and interview them. And I was producing, make, make, making a lot of this kind of material and then able to relicense it. And in the middle of all of that, kind of similar to what happened with Our Bound, you know, the big gorilla was National Geographic and they decided to do something for the first time ever with music that they'd never really done before. And they called me up. They, you know, they approached me and said, we've heard that you've got this amazing catalog that no one else has, and we're interested in it. And before I knew it, you know, they said, we want you to come down to Washington, D.C. We want you to be, you know, contracted to take over the charge of this particular program that we're starting. And I became this music guy from National Geographic, like that. Wow. And instantly, you know, like I could go to, you know, Sao Paulo and I could get into recording studios and any project that happened to be being worked on at that time, they would be like, yeah, come on in and, you know, shoot some video and do this kind of thing. And it was really cool. It was very demanding. Mm -hmm. uh, often, you know, like if you're doing a music thing, you're usually going to stay up all night long. Yeah. <laughs> and you might, you might actually be in a fairly sketchy place in yeah. some, you know, foreign country. And so it was, it was tricky and, really like the work was when you were on it was actually the two things are very similar like when i did our bound program that was like really demanding it was 24 7 you're on and it was like several weeks at a time and when i was doing a project with the music business it was very similar like i would go for a week or 10 days and i would be totally on and almost like 24 7 kind of yeah. demand and then come back and just kind of collapse and so it was really really cool and the music industry changed and the way the market was working really shifted radically. And a lot of the people who I was working with, the partners that I worked with basically disappeared. Mm -hmm. And I realized that the skills that I had learned, which were really about how to take an entrepreneur who in fact was a musician, but it could be any entrepreneur yeah. and how to connect them with video like to their fans, to their audience yeah. over the internet. How, how do you do that and how do you do it really well? And I figured that I could, I could help a lot of people <laughs> do this. And so that's really how, the beginning of how it evolved to the work that, that I'm doing now. Wow, that's cool. That is really cool. <laughs> so we, before we go on and talk more about video, because we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about video. Okay. So you, you you brought up a couple things that the, the school first of all and then the the music and then National Geographic. So we're going to ask a couple questions about that because I think it's just interesting. So let's back up to the school. 
Okay. Craziest situation on the water in the Puget Sound in one of these permanent boats. <laughs> well, um, we we had this thing that we we call referred to as the seven levels of rowing. You know, because you're basically you've got you can start to imagine like you get teenagers and the boats were set up to where you'd have 10 students and two instructors. Mm-hmm. And these boats were only 26 feet long. So they're, they're pretty small. Yes. And they're set up in these rowing benches, just like you never imagine a Viking ship with 12 foot long wooden oars that are quite heavy. And each person has their own oar. So there are 10 oars, 10 students, and each person is sitting side by side, you know, in pairs of two going down, yeah. rowing together. And this was like the first challenge was how do you get 10 people to actually row in unison? And to help out, like to give them a vision of where we could go, we created this seven levels. It's like the seven pillars of Nirvana. Well, it was the seven pillars of rowing. <laughs> and well, the first level was, well, first of all, you have to like put the oars in and put them out at the same time, like this yeah. the rhythm thing. And then the second level was you have to do that and do something orally in sync with the movement of the oars. So we'd have them chanting and singing or even just counting out loud, but we'd get them in this motion of, okay, we're gonna do this and we're gonna voice art in time, do some kind of yeah. thing with their voices. The third level was doing it and closing your eyes so that you could do this in rhythm, you could sing along and you knew even with your eyes closed, that you were never going to hit somebody else's oar. Like it's going to work just fine. But the fourth level, and this goes to answering your question, the fourth level was now we're going to do it during some time when it's just awful. Like some big awful thing has happened. Like we've hit a really bad current in the tide. And you know, up in the San Juans, there are areas where the current can run pretty fast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and or you have strong wind. And in the worst case, you have wind blowing against the tide, which means that the waves get really short and steep. And these are some of the more challenging moments that you can imagine. And in our world, in the outbound world, when these moments appeared, we would, you know, that was like the time. It's like, oh, look, the weather's turning nasty. <laughs> Let's go. It's a perfect time to go sailing. <laughs> yes. And it'd be like, you know, get everybody clambering on the boat and take off. And knowing that we're about to steer into an area where you've got wind against the tide, it's going to get really rough and rocky. And you're letting the students themselves take over, like actually mm-hmm. be in control. And one of the things that I did, which was contrary to the way boats are usually run, like in a, in in any kind of it's true to today, but all through the history of being on any kind of boat, you have a captain who is like God, and they're entirely in control. It's completely authoritarian, and what the captain says, everybody else does. Mm-hmm. And in our world, the idea was to empower the students and actually give them a lot of opportunity to take control and do their, you know, like be in control themselves and actually learn about meeting challenges and overcoming those challenges and feeling, you know, good about, oh, I can do things that I didn't know I could. And to this end, one of my leadership styles was this idea that I don't have to lead in the way a captain would normally lead. I could 
go sit in any seat. I could take on any role of the boat and I could be leading, but I would be leading in this other way of following what the, the students are doing mm-hmm. and responding to them. And so in the most challenging situations, like we have these really rough conditions and, you know, we'd be dressed up in these yellow rubber foul weather gear with a fisherman style rain hat <laughs> and sort of everybody's wearing their yellow slickers <laughs> and you've got these PVC, you know, jackets on that life jackets and, and we're doing this stuff, you know, like, and we could be out like this for hours or all day long or even better at night. You know, we would move when the tide was in our favor. And if the tide was in our favor, even if the wind was against us, we would still say, okay, let's go. And because the tide in the San Juan Islands is what moves you. Yeah, especially if you're in a boat that doesn't have an engine. (laughs) It's like, you got to go with the tide or you're not going to go where you want to go at all. And so we would be doing these, these things, you know, day or night. And the cool part, the cool part that would happen is that we would have these transcendent moments. And I'll just describe one of them. I remember coming, like we'd been doing this for hours and this was well into the early morning. It might've been like two or 3 a.m. We finally landed at our destination and we scrambled up the shoreline and lo and behold, it was one of these state park islands where there was nobody there, but they had a picnic table, you know, and it's exposed and the wind is still blowing and this rain is coming down and the rain is literally blowing sideways. And so we put a tarp up over the table and we got one of our gas stoves and we got that going and we went down and we filled uh, plastic bags with sand and we put candles inside the plastic bag and lit them. And then we made that you know, like a big pot of boiling water, put in a bunch of pasta, got some tomato sauce, you know, and so we could have this hot meal. And then so now you have this glow under this tarp and you've got 12 faces all you know, wearing yellow slickers, <laughs> mm-hmm. all facing each other around the circle in the dark, except for the glow of a couple of candles. Immediately outside the tarp, the rain is just going sideways and the wind is blowing and the tarp is going over our heads. But in that circle, in that moment where we're sitting there and all of a sudden the spaghetti is coming out and we start to feed ourselves and it feels warm and people are starting to smile. and then they're starting to laugh because oh my god look what we're doing you know like this is just amazing and we're not making this happen like we're not bringing that feeling to these students they're discovering this for themselves simply because they come to this moment where they've been through some really you know trying time and all of a sudden they're realizing hey here i am and i'm 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 wet and i'm but I'm warm mm-hmm. and it's a, and I'm with a bunch of people and this is totally nuts, but it's actually kind of cool. And anyway, we start getting the joke. And, and in that moment, the group itself becomes this sort of tribal being. Yeah. And it's one of the most powerful things that I've ever experienced. That is, that is super cool. <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing that because, you know, being, being, you know, living in the Northwest here, I've not been nearly, you know, I've been in the San Juans on the ferries a few times on friends boats and things like that, but, but it is such a beautiful place. I can only 
you know, just scratch my imagination into what you actually saw up there because you had to be able to doing those things, coming into some of those places that very few people in the world will ever see and very few people visit any time during the year. I mean, you're at places where you may have been the only group that was there that year. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. So cool. So cool. Well, I'm glad you were able to share that, that Brad. And now let's, let's talk about, Let's talk about video because, you know, you're helping people become someone they know, like, and trust, and you're using video to do that. Your video background, I love it. You, you know, you, you, the first working with the movie crews, working with the television shows, then National Geographic, working with the music people. I mean, you've, you've done some pretty amazing video work and then, like you said, some not so perfect conditions, but (laughs) Now that now that you're helping people really use video to, uh, as you said, get out to the world and to show up, what are some of the things right now that you see the biggest challenges you see when you start to talk to somebody? Their their perceived challenges. Yeah, well, the biggest one is people really are holding themselves back because they're afraid to be judged when they when they get on video in front of the camera. They may actually be pretty fine as a public speaker. They may be pretty fine making a presentation to, you know, their team, you know, at their corporate office. But a camera and especially a camera that's connected to the internet, <laughs> this is going to be this is going to be an online video. That can be really scary because you are looking at, well, this is going to go, I I could goof up here. I could make some kind of dumb error and it's going to go on to, you know, YouTube or it's going to go on to LinkedIn, even worse. And it's going to be there forever and I'll never live it down. Like I'll, uh, you know, this will be my reputation up in smoke over now. And everybody will be pointing their finger at me saying, oh, you were the guy who did the, the really dumb thing. <laughs> yeah. And that's a that's a really hard one. And I, I just, you know, for anybody who's feeling that way, uh, th- the truth is that most people who are watching you on a, you know, on a kind of video, they don't really care a lot about who you are and what you look like nearly as much as you do. And as long as you are bringing something of value. What they care about is like, are you going to say anything that's worth my time? And are you going to say anything that's helpful? Like, what's the point of me watching here? You know, so in the first case, in most videos that you're going to make, no one's going to watch because in in the beginning, unless you're super clear in the first three to five seconds, what the video is for and who it's for and why they should watch it, no one is going to watch it. Yeah. No one has any patience to sit there and go, okay, well, let me, you know, wait 30, 50 seconds before you tell me what the heck is going on here. And so a lot of the worry that people have over who's going to watch my video and what will they think goes to waste simply because a lot of the videos that they make just may never get seen by very many people. Mm-hmm. And and the the struggle, the struggle actually in terms of should should you make a video or or what would be the value in doing it is that you're wanting to become familiar to the right 
group of people, the people who will resonate with you in, in terms of the kind of person who you are, and also the things that you believe in and the things that you stand for in who you are and also in the work that you do and the, the mission that you're on in terms of whatever it is that you're up to with your, mm -hmm. with your business. And so those are the things that you want to communicate. And it, it's really true that people online, just like in the real world, they will hang out and stay and go to repeatedly the things that are most familiar to them. You know, so for, for us, you know, like we go to Facebook and we go to Google, <laughs> we mm -hmm. go to YouTube, you know, we go to these places that we know and we kind of know what to expect. Yeah. And when you have your website, whether it's new or not, but if it's not very well known, it's not familiar to hardly anyone. And so when people come to your site, and if it's not super clear or if there's not some kind of thing there that helps people learn why they should be there, they're going to bounce off and they're not going to stay. And the same is true for whatever you're posting on social media. If it's not really clear what you're up to, what you're doing, who's it for, are you helpful? Are you doing something that people can connect with that will serve their needs and show that you understand them and where they're coming from? If you're not doing any of that, no one's going to pay any attention to your content, no matter what it is. So these are the things, you know, like, for instance, I had an incident that happened uh, probably about a year and a half ago that really brought home how this familiar thing works. And mm -hmm. it was... I was going to a, a conference that was like a three-day event, and I was flying from Boston down to North Carolina, and I was in the mode of like, oh, I'm going to a conference, I'm going to meet a whole new bunch of people, this is going to be great, and I was in, the, you know, you get on the plane, and I thought, well, maybe there's somebody on the plane who's going to the conference, and we can, you know, meet, and I can talk to them, and when I sat down next to the person next to me on the plane was this young woman, she probably was like college age, and the whole flight down there, she totally ignored me. Like we didn't talk, she didn't say hello, she didn't even look up. And this is, you know, it's not that unusual that that would happen, but that happened. And so, you know, I, I went to the conference, great. I met a lot of people, it was really exciting. It was all full of energy. Three days later, I got back on to the airport and got on a plane coming back to Boston. Had the same energy of like, oh, maybe I'll meet somebody who was at the conference, you know, and, and we'll continue the dialogue we've been having, that'll be cool. Well, I got to my seat and I sat down and the same woman <laughs> was on the flight again. <laughs> and only this time, this time, when I got there, you know, she looked up, our eyes met, and we both started laughing. And then we started talking. And I found out, yeah, she actually is a college student and she goes to school in Boston. And she was down in North Carolina with her sister, you know, visiting for the weekend. And she was studying accounting and I was going, well, that's cool because you're never going to have to look for a job because everybody needs an accountant. Yeah, and everybody so needs an accountant, yeah. We had, this, we had this conversation that was made possible. And this is the point I want to make with this story is that the reason that she and I were able to talk the second time around was because I had become a familiar face to her. Yeah. In fact, in the context of the plane, in a plane full of strangers, I was the only familiar face. Yes. And so the ice was broken just simply because she recognized me from the flight before. And this is, you know, when you're making video, 
If you want to be the familiar face, you want to show up and then you want to show up again. And then you want to show up again. And within no time at all, it's not hard. It only takes a moment for you to turn the corner of becoming somebody who's a total stranger to somebody who is now familiar and actually is opening a conversation. You're showing empathy. You're showing, you're asking questions. You're showing that you understand the person who is watching your video. And they start to recognize you and start going, oh, I, I know who Brad is. I've seen him before. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's safe. Like, he's safe to talk to. And mm -hmm. then they'll start interacting with you. They'll start leaving comments. They'll start liking your video. <laughs> yeah. Stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, I think you... I think you cover this really well too. You've got a short video on your, on your website where you talk about it. And I love the, love the analogy you use of everybody. The first time they see you, they're sitting there watching your video with the hands crossed like this going, <laughs> why should I care? I loved it. And it, it is so true. And, and your, your, your example of familiarity on video, I think is, is honestly familiarity and message to me is more important than flash or speaking really well or, 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 or a lot of things. Um, because you see, look at some of the most popular people. They're not worrying about quality of video. They're worrying about, am I getting my message out? Am I, am I connecting with the right people in the way that they want to be, you know, way that we want to be. Um, and that really can come in a lot of different forms but that repetitive. Yeah, and this is why I'm really into short form video now. Um, yeah. It's really, you know, it's interesting because I come from more of a documentary storytelling yes. background and I really like long form storytelling. And as I have also been heavy into live streaming, I really like long form duration live streams like what we're doing right now yeah. and where you can have people on and you can have a conversation and it can be back and forth and all that kind of thing like i just i, I really like this format yes. however in the last two years especially with the advent of tiktok which a lot of people are going what are you kidding i'm not going to tiktok yeah <laughs> but with the advent of tiktok what's happened is that because tiktok has become the market leader in this short style, and we're talking like a minute, 30 seconds, like very short, nothing longer than a minute in terms of video length. And TikTok has just exploded. And all of the other platforms are looking at that going, oh, well, we have to catch up. So Instagram now mm -hmm. has Reels, and Facebook also has Reels, and YouTube has Shorts. And even on LinkedIn, the shorter videos are the ones that are performing the best yes. and and the algorithm will reward you if you show up consistently and are posting on a regular basis all of these platforms will get behind you and start showing your content to more and more people and it's really you know nowadays you can create one 30 second clip of something that you're saying that is of helpful value and you can take that and transfer it and repost it to 
all of these platforms. So one piece of content goes to four or five locations and all of those platforms will support you. They will show it to a number of people. Now, some things will do better than others, but you know, the talking head is not dead in short form video. You the don't have to- The head is not dead. I like you, that. You don't have to dance. You do not have to, you know, find the trending music thing. I mean, you can if you want to, but that's like a whole different genre. But in the business professional marketing world, in terms of content marketing, you can show up and give really straight, you know, helpful content, or you can do a demonstration of something, sh literally show people how to do something in a short amount of time. And that video will perform well. And what it does is it will build you a following. It will build you an audience. And these will people who will, who will actually engage with your video. They'll start commenting. They'll start sending you direct messages. Mm -hmm. And this is where the real action is on all these platforms is the direct messaging. So people can engage with you by commenting or they engage with you through a DM and you can follow up with them also by texting them back. And then you carry on that conversation and you can move those individuals to whatever next step in your marketing funnel wants to be, whether it's a lead magnet or it's a phone call or it's some other vehicle, invite them to an event that you're doing or a, mm -hmm. a webinar or your live stream or your podcast or whatever it is that you want to do. These are really natural steps to take with people. Once you have become that familiar face that people are comfortable enough to want to start engaging with you. And you can yeah. do this at scale in the sense that one one minute video that's getting, you know, even if it's like 500 views on TikTok and 300 views on Instagram and another 200 views on YouTube and things like that. These are hundreds of views on these different platforms that will generate enough engagement where, you know, if you have somebody on your team who's your social media manager, they're going to be busy doing the follow up of engaging with these people in terms of interacting with them and moving them along to the next logical step. So if you're wanting to fill up that monthly webinar presentation that you do, great. This is how you do it. Wow. I never had thought about that before using that, like you're saying, short form video to get people engaging, to fill up webinars I mean, to, or get webinars out to the right people. I mean, you don't want to fill them up with the wrong people. Obviously, you want the right people in the webinars, but yeah. that's a great way to do it because you could short, you could share short tidbits of information that you'd be covering in those webinars that might be interesting or help those people solve problems. And then, yeah, then your marketing people can can take it from there. And yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not the other thing about it is that people get hung up over the idea that oh. I'm going to put out what a video every single day. Is that what I need to do? <laughs> and the answer is it could be like a, a video a day is a, a very good pacing, but that doesn't mean you have to make a video every day. Yeah. You can sit down and in less than an hour, you can crank out easily a dozen videos or more. And that's enough for at least two weeks. And so one hour every two weeks is the time it takes for you to be creative and say the things that you basically already know. And so, you know, when I work with people, this is how I do this for them in a very painless way where 
we literally will meet like this. We'll meet in a remote recording session and I'll interview them. And I'll ask them the questions that they know the answers to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when I need to, I'll dig deeper and I'll pull out you know, the best nuggets that they have. I'll take that content and I'll turn it into these short form videos and then it'll get scheduled and posted across all their social media channels. And within just a single hour session, they'll get like a month's worth of content. Wow. Yeah. That's something because, you know, like you said, that consistent showing up in a, in a snippet that just about anyone that's remotely interested in that will stop and listen to at least enough of it to get the gist of it is, is a great way to keep showing up, keep showing up on. on yeah. And they can be like, they can be really short. Uh, a friend of mine, client who I've been helping actually do video for quite a long time, she just started on Instagram where she had been trying to grow her YouTube channel for a few months and it wasn't really gaining very much traction. So I was like, well, let's do something on Instagram. And she created a whole new, like she had a personal profile on Instagram, but she created a, a separate profile for her business. Mm -hmm. And it's called the Radiant Health Cafe is the name of her business. She's a health practitioner. And so what she started doing was these really short, like we're talking 20 seconds, 15 seconds, where she would show one simple thing for how to deal with your headache or how to deal with stress or something like that. And, you know, and these are like simple acupressure points where just like, if you have a headache, do this and then run your hands down along your ears, you know, kind of thing. And just within 15 seconds, she would show this technique. And the call to action was, you know, check my profile, yeah. go over to my YouTube channel. Well, she, and this, like, this is very fresh. She's only done about 18 of these videos so far, but a couple of them just started to take off. And at this point in time, I think her highest performing video has over a million views. Oh my goodness. And her follower thing has grown like from absolutely zero, just a couple of months ago, she now has over 70,000 people who are following her on her Instagram page. And this is just like within less than three months, this has happened. And she's only posting about three times a week. So it just shows you like, if you're doing the right thing for the right audience and, and it, the coin turns, like you become that familiar face that people go, oh, I like this person. Oh, this is really helpful to me. Oh, she's showing me exactly how to do this and it works, you know, People are, I was talking to her about it. She said, well, what's powerful about this is that people are seeing these videos and then they're sharing them immediately with people in their family oh. who they know this would be helpful to. Yeah. And that's, you know, if that starts happening with your content, you absolutely win the game. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You do. When you start, start, uh, when people share your content, that's like, if, if I see that on LinkedIn, I see somebody <laughs> reposted mine or shared it. or yeah. I mean, that's just like, Woo, home run, you know, because it it's it, obviously two things. It, it, it's a bigger reach, but really people only share if it's relevant. They think it's going to be relevant to somebody else. And if you're, yeah. you're doing something about that a core problem that your business helps somebody with and you see that share, that reposting of it or whatever it is, it's a big deal. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. It is. That's good stuff. Well, you know, I, it's been awesome talking to you, Brad. I just, man, there's so much. We're going to have to do this again because I want to come back and we'll talk about some things later. I just want to, uh, first of all, I got on your website, Awesome Video Makers. I downloaded your 10, your 10 steps. I forget what it says, the 10 steps or something, but uh, man, these are good. These are good. I'm just going to tell people they should get on Awesome Video Makers and download your 10 secrets to making video that stand out. That's a great download. Oh my goodness. I, yeah, I, I made a more recent one. Uh, it's got more. It's 40 video ideas. Okay. So if people listening to this, if you go to 40, and that's a number 40, so 40videoideas.com, you can opt in and you'll, get a, you'll basically get a guide with 40 different video prompts. These are perfect nice. for short form video. It'll ask you a question and say, okay, what about this? And if you've ever been feeling like, oh, if I got in front of the camera, I wouldn't know what to say. Well, this, these 40 ideas are the absolute cure for that. You'll never, ever run out of things to say. <laughs> 40videoideas.com is the number 40. That's four, right. Four zero. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I, I just, Brad, I am so thankful for you stopping by today and talking and, and just sharing some of your knowledge and video and some of your experience too, and, and being in the music industry, being in the outdoors and, and with national geographic stuff. And then today talking how you're helping uh, entrepreneurs and executives, you know, just become that those people that others know, like, and trust. And just thanks for sharing everything today. You're welcome. This has been a pleasure. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank everyone that was listening out there. I want to thank Andrew and then uh, I got someone that just says LinkedIn user. You need to adjust your settings so we can see who it is. But thanks for being here today. And the people that haven't uh, commented today, but are listening. We've got, we know you're out there. Appreciate you being there and have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks so much, Brad. Hang out for a moment and we'll be back next week.